Welcome back to the Flying Lion podcast, everyone. What a huge week for FC Cincinnati. What a week for Lucho Acosta. What a season for Lucho, too. Let's just say that. But man, Sam, Zach, I- I'm just pumped, you know, this Monday night to to talk all things FCC. An awesome win in an Eastern Conference semifinal against Philly. We got a lot to talk about tonight, boys. I'm really excited. Sam, how are we doing tonight? Yeah, doing good, doing good. Um, got a, a great vibe um, coming out of FC Cincinnati right now. You know, not only the win, but you got Lucho's MVP and you got Hell is Real coming up next. Um, no better feeling to be an FCC fan right now. Absolutely. Coming off Thanksgiving break, I hope you guys had a great one. Um couple days well rested from both us and the wonderful team um was a little hesitant actually going into these games and coming out of it i mean you couldn't be more pumped and excited um cincinnati's gonna go wild in the next few few weeks yeah we're taking over the city especially with you know joe burrow being down fc is just the main content for the whole city you know for the next several weeks let's just let's hope but um you know as we were saying early on um 1-0 win you know against the philadelphia union in the eastern conference semifinals it was a electric atmosphere um you know sam and zach can attest to the fact that you know we marched over to the game just electric atmosphere for a march um, it was a little cold, a little bit late, you know, in the night, but overall just awesome atmosphere for some MLS playoff soccer. Um, Sam, your, your vibes kind of going into the game and initial feelings of, uh, of this one. Yeah. So to, to begin with the, the March, I mean, the March was really cool. I, I think we had discussed, you know, this, this might've been one of the biggest marches we've ever seen. Um, and on top of that, the glow in the dark theme was really cool as well. Um, a bunch of the the people in the Bailey had some type of glow in the dark, whether that was on the drums or glasses or hats or something, which I thought was really cool. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, a big game leading up to it. Obviously FC Cincinnati 2022 playoffs, you know, we lost to the Philadelphia union um, in that second round. So this was our chance to kind of avenge that defeat with a depleted squad as well. Uh, yeah, there's honestly nothing better than MLS after dark. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it definitely got very rowdy and very fun real quick. Um, the The theme was fantastic. I actually, I, I didn't, now that you say that, Sam, about the glow in the dark, I totally didn't realize it at like, I think you mentioned it even during the March, but then like during the game, like you could see like everybody across the stadium, like the neon just like sprinkled throughout, which was really kind of cool to see. Um, Didn't see it on the broadcast as much, but um, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And just really the going into the stadium, I, it's, it seemed like there was way more smoke than usual. Cause like, I think we were pretty close to the back of the, March more or less back to middle part of it and smoke was still hitting us from all the way back to the front. So I thought it was pretty exciting stuff going in. 
I think the smoke is the theme of the playoffs, Zach. Um, you know, first home playoff game against Red Bulls. You could hardly even see the Bailey with all the smoke <laughs> on the field. Um, for how exciting the buildup was, boys, when the lineup came out, um, I was a little bit disappointed by, you know, who we saw on the team sheet. Um, big surprises, you know. Honestly, as Sam and I had kind of predicted on the last podcast, we really felt like the club was pushing more Kubo content to kind of gear up for him to start the week prior, you know, they kind of leak that Kubo had been practicing in full for a day or two. So you get your hopes up that at least he's on the bench. He's not even on the bench for this one guys. So I was a little bit nervous. I think I told Sam multiple times, I was like, man, no, you know, Miazga, no Obi, you know, you got Kubo in there. You got Gaddis at your, your center back uh, or outside back, I should say, and Powell at center back. So couple of different changes uh, look for Cincinnati, you know, coming into this game was like, we'll see how we do with, you know, a high powered Philly offense, um, you know, but overall they weathered the storm. Sam, how'd you feel about the lineup coming out? Yeah. Like, like you said, it was kind of what we expected to see. Um, definitely a Kubo start was, you know, more leaning towards that. I know we had gotten pretty excited based off of the OB news being in training, I believe on Tuesday, um, Tuesday or Wednesday, but yeah, no, no Obi, um, you know, at all would have thought he comes off the bench possibly. Um, but yeah, Arias available as a sub as well. Um, surprised not to really see him start because he got what a week and a half of rest, not being, you know, selected for the, the Colombian national team, uh, due to FC Cincinnati rejecting it. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, we had Gaddis on the right side instead of Arias starting, which, you know, again, I, I thought Gaddis played a phenomenal, phenomenal game. Um, but yeah, as far as lineup stuff, um, would have liked to see Arias probably start, but hey, we we got the dub. Yeah, with the, uh, you know, when you talk about it and not see it on paper, it's two different things. Like looking at it on the, like the, the, the screen cap that FC Cincy puts out, it kind of surprises you, but when you're talking about it, whole different story. Like it just seems like every time you see Murphy and Powell and no Miaska or having Mascara in the middle, I, it just kind of gives you a little slight heart attack. Just kind of knowing that, you know, Murphy, I mean, he's grown, grown into his role quite a bit, but Powell's not, I mean, I guess he could, could be a, natural center back but you know he's been playing right wing back all season so throwing him in in a playoff in a center back position I mean that's I mean it's pretty um pretty scary but yeah Gaddis playing on the right side um you know we always say like it's scary at the beginning but then it turns out you know at the end of the match we're like wow Gaddis actually did pretty good like you we always kind of give him crap at the beginning but I think he always it's that MLS veteran in him that he knows where he needs to be and when to be. You know, it it, it turns out good in the end. Yeah, Reverend Ray, you know, or Friar Tuck, whatever you want to call him, man. That that dude showed up and I should never doubt him again. You know, going against his old team, um, does he have more motivation to play in this game? Everyone's kind of downing him and looking at the sheet and saying, Oh, you know, there's a weakness there, but maybe he sees that as motivation going into it. 
how impressive, you know, was this though for Pat to kind of, you know, basically to be dealt with what he did and to deal with it the way that he did during the game, the way he goes about it, you know, as we get into the game now, how he handles, you know, not subbing for a while too. I mean, dude seemed to be prepared. He, you know, he had three weeks essentially to prepare for this match to kind of get a sense of the way that we wanted to play. Um, you know, you, you don't really even see Pal play too much in the first round of the playoffs or even at the end of the season. So yeah, Zach, to your point, I think, you know, he steps in well in that center back role. Although, you know, earlier in the season, as you called out on the podcast, you know, he's unpredictive. And, uh, you know, at least on Saturday night, we got a really good Alvis Powell. But um, I'll get into the game. You know, like we talked about, the energy was electric. Um, first 10 minutes of the game, I thought we dominated. I felt like we had the better chances. We looked dangerous. We had several free kicks. Um, Sam, Zach, I'm, I'm sure you could attest to this. This is the loudest I've heard the Bailey sound in a long time. You know, I, I felt like it was rocking, which kind of led to that momentum going on, uh, you know, early on in the match. And eventually that led into a chance in the 13th minute um, for Vasquez to, to get one close um, on Andre Boyk. But Sam, what did you think early on? From, from the vantage point that I had for the Barrial free kick, I think you're talking about um, is I think he, he curved the ball a little too much. Um, because it just kept going and going and going. And Vasquez didn't really get a chance to, to get a solid foot on it um, on that near back post there. But it also went over Lucho's head, which I thought was really funny too. Um, but yeah, that was that was definitely one of the first chances of the game right there um, to, to put it away and, and put us on the board. You know, I Vasquez needs to put some part of his body on that ball. Mm -hmm. Whether it's his head face foot yeah it's, it's, I'm, I'm not gonna lie it was a pretty dangerous play for um andre blake um i wouldn't want to be in his shoes going up for that but um you know I, I think he needs to read it a little bit better coming off of um i think it was a philly player who totally whiffed the clearance um yeah i, I think uh, coming off that uh, we could have had an early uh 1-0 lead off the the that play it was actually the highest XG um, shot, you know, um, besides the goal that we get laid on in the game. So they kind of rated it as the highest chance for scoring. But in the moment, like you said, Zach, it's like he hardly gets anything on it. Um, but it is a point blank type save that leads to a corner. I think within the first 25 minutes, we had at least three or four corner kicks and dominating possession. You know, you look up and it's 75 25 and you're like, wow, we should be scoring in these opportunities um, with how many chances we created. You know, it, it kind of comes down to a point that 34th minute, um, the, the other kind of close chance that we get is a Bupenza long distance shot that Andre Blake has to put, you know, a good save on. But how many times do we see guys where, you know, Lucho cuts in onto his left foot and you're just asking for him to shoot it or Kubo? you know, on a one, two, and we created a lot of those chances, but just didn't seem to get the final pass, right. Or, you know, to have the, the open chance to even shoot it. Like, I, I think Zach, if you remember, I was talking to you and I said, man, these guys just need to like 
get it out from under their feet. They seem like they're their half step, half step off from shooting it. Um, but you're, you're made a good point. You're like, yeah, they're, they're there. They just don't have that clear opportunity to shoot it. But even on the Vasquez chance, if you remember um, that he has in front of goal, you just told me, you're like, you know, toe poke it into it. It doesn't have to be a perfect shot, but just get anything on it. doesn't matter how, uh, and, you know, make him make a save on it. Yeah. I was going to actually point that out. I think it was the 26th minute made, made sure I made a note because that play frustrated me to no end. Like just do something with it. Like, I don't know why you take a touch like he did. I mean, the defenders closed that gap really fast. And then it, obviously that opportunity fizzled away immediately. So I think Vasquez needs to, and you called it out too during the game. I'm pretty sure we need to be way more decisive on the ball. Like yeah. we need to commit way sooner, and way faster. Yeah. I, I think that's an overall problem with, um, United States soccer, to be honest with you, is the decision-making part. Um, it's just our, our guys don't really think quick enough or, you know, how, how they should in those different scenarios. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think Vasquez, he, he does too much, right? He probably needs to hit it first time. And even if even if the, fe- the, the defender deflects it that first time, it's a better defensive play than it is him dribbling around – in the box aimlessly and then shot and then deflection. Right. So I I think from that standpoint, I I think you have to hit it first time and see where it goes. Yeah. Great point. I mean, and to me, that is a striker that lacks confidence, you know, that hasn't scored in several games um, where before, you know, they don't think about it. They take one touch and they just hit it in no matter what position they're in or you know a head a arm a lit you know what i mean like whatever they can get on it and they score but um the lack of decisiveness the lack of that finishing touch is clearly shown um you know in the past several games for vasquez for sure that's another conversation for another day but um yeah go, going into halftime you're feeling like we should be up you know at least a goal it's zero zero i don't really feel like philly's really threatening us pat's plan of defense or preventing a counterattack um ha- had worked at that point and i think they really focused in three weeks on more of the defensive side because of some of the holes that they knew they were going to have but the offense was lacking that final decisiveness um which you know ultimately it didn't you know ruin um you know our chance to move on but certainly moving forward we need to see you know better decisiveness on the ball up front and and maybe is it Bupenza and Vasquez getting on the same page or him and Lucho you know we still haven't really found full stride in that sense but as we go to the second half um, again we're now attacking opposite of the of the Bailey Um, we create I would say like a chance or two but honestly not much Um, the game is played kind of from our center back, Zach, I don't know how many times did we say, you know, mascara, like, dude, do something with the ball, but it wasn't necessarily on him. It was more on our forwards, just being lazy, not really, you know, creating runs or chances. Um, it's very easy for Philly to kind of sit back and watch that um, and just, you know, hope for a turnover and then counterattack it. That, they seemed content with that all night. 
Um, and we never really made that vital mistake that I think they had maybe seen in Mourinho, you know, in the last couple games. Um, so that was, that was kind of interesting to see how much they did sit back because you even made a comment to me that I thought was interesting in the prior games we had played Philly. They kept such a high line with their defense, um, but they sat back this time, uh, maybe because of some of the people we were missing, but I, I just found that to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the um, second half was snooze like fest. Said, do what? <laughs> snooze fest. It was. And, and really, honestly, both halves, for the most part, were like there was a couple chances, like you said, at the beginning of the first half. But then after that, I think we kind of everybody kind of settled into the game and it just kind of was like a. We both knew what we had to do, but we were both doing it very well kind of thing and the second half i mean just like the lack of days of glide. even mr tim elser he he even <laughs> noted noticed and was getting frustrated by the the lack of um hustle or but then again I'm, in my mind i'm thinking you know maybe they're playing for that extra time draw you know right. it almost like, seemed like that it, it did and i think that's kind of where that Cause like we were, yeah. it was kind of trying to play both sides of the coin. And it, and I think it, it really showed. It was a tactical battle of who's going to make the first mistake. Who's going to make the first sub. I think Sam walking out of the stadium, we had mentioned that like it, it was very much Jim Curtin versus Pat Noonan mind games on some of that. And I think Philly's plan to just kind of see that part of it out um, and see where it goes into overtime or even to PK's, was very interesting. What what did you think on that, Sam? Yeah, I mean, throughout the game, yeah, it was a snooze fest, but I, I think Philly had better quality chances than we did. I think going back to the first mm. half, I want to say it was like right before halftime, they had a wide open cross that was crossed in in between Murphy and Barrial. Barrial was slow getting back on that backside. Good call. They had a wide open run on the back post, and their, their player skies it over the bar, right? So that's one example and then you move to the second half and they have two of the most crucial chances there in the second half where ball is in the box way too long. Luckily, the Philly player doesn't really settle it that well and turns around to shoot and it's deflected again. And then you have another Philly chance to where this is a phenomenal chance. They just shoot it right at Celentano. He makes a great makes save, save. Yeah. And, and punches it out to the left, right? Yeah. So like once, once again, Philly did have those chances, but – I was very surprised that they didn't really come at us at all. Like mm -hmm. I was expecting them to be more on the attacking side. We would have to be counterattacking because once again, we were a depleted side. So yeah, it was, it was interesting from an FC Cincinnati standpoint to see Philly not really take advantage of that. So they kind of perplexing, but yeah, to, to your point though, J Jim Curtin versus Pat Noonan. I mean, they didn't have subs till the 80th minute. Um, Noonan didn't uh, sub to the 88th. So uh, it was definitely battle of the minds for sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's former coach of the year last year versus, you know, current coach of the year, you know, shout out Pat Noonan for finally getting that award um, since the last podcast we had, but, you know, meeting of the minds, you know, he's facing his mentor. Um, Pat is just unbelievable though. And how he adapts and, you know, a stat I saw prior to this game was, you know, we were five, two and three in knockout games now, six, two and three under Pat. And 
you know, these knockout competitions um, between different cups, but he always finds a way to adapt and adjust and make the right decisions, um, you know, leading up into this goal, the 93rd minute, um, a set play, you know, in barely into Philly's half, but instead of playing the ball into the box, Lucho plays it over to Barrial. Murphy goes from the far side to the near side and kind of switches positions in the box, which frees up a marker on Mascara. So is he offside? Is he not? Um, I don't want to get into that debate, but, you know, I, I think the way that the camera is put, you know, in, in that position, there was a clear view down to 18 that we just didn't see. But if you look at where the side ref is, he's standing right there and looking at it. None of the players complain about it. The ref saw it right in that position. So I believe, you know, they had to get it right. Now, everyone's holding their breath, including my dad, actually, who doesn't even celebrate the goal right away because he's worried about it. Um, but Murphy heads it back in. Mascara takes a beautiful touch and sets himself up. I don't know how he has that much space in the box. I mean, let's talk about, you know, again, this set play. It seemed like this was designed. Um, so props to the the team for preparing for this moment and for executing. Um, whether it was a questionable one or not, it was called a goal. We've been on the flip side of it too many times, so I'm I'm happy that we get at least this one. Yeah, it was definitely right place, right time um, for Mascara, whether or not he, you know, meant to be there. But yeah, it, it was really cool to see all three touches on that goal were by defenders. You had Barrial, who plays the cross in. You have Murphy, who heads it down, and Mascara, who puts it away. So I, I thought that was an incredible finish to a kind of dull game. But yeah, 90th minute, fourth minute of extra time just insane the stadium erupted it was incredible what dreams are made of man scoring an extra time and sam as you predicted extra time 1-0 winner you know it didn't didn't matter what extra time you wanted to say on that but you called it and i'm happy we didn't go to extra time i'm happy we didn't go to pks <laughs> right i i want to remind me i think you made this comment uh oh why are they Passing to Barreal on a set piece in the extra time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you said those exact words and you were so mad at first, but then. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think you're right. You know, we gotta, gotta go out of it. I mean, it, it was, I love those kind of plays where they're, they're definitely planned. Um, definitely great passing all around. I mean, great goal. You could see the um, joy in Mascara's face as he was running to the corner. It was fantastic. Loudest probably I've ever heard TQL this yeah. whole season. Like, I think it was just a, the most or the biggest sigh of relief that I think every fan in Cincinnati had when he scored. Yeah, I mean, and you celebrate, and luckily it wasn't like held back celebration necessarily. It was a little delayed because of this review and you're kind of like, all right, come on guys. Like they're already starting to do the sha la las in the, in the Bailey, but we're, we're still held up for review, but uh, let's talk about his little dance in the corner there and in, in the home run swing, you know, he was channeling some reds players with that. Uh, Mascara has got some flair. Um, I think Sam's going to get into it later, but you know, with the MLS possibly opening up a fourth DP spot or designated player, you know, do we, do we consider, 
talking to him about coming back. I, the dude has just been incredible. Um, so, you know, that's a little sneak peek, but very happy that we had him this year. What a year he's had. Questionably, in my mind, the best loan uh, inbound in MLS history. You know, he's not a formal FC Cincinnati player. He's a Wolverhampton Wonders player, um, but he's, you know, here with us for this season. And man, he has he had a year. Yeah, I think final whistle blows and you could see the emotion, right? Miazga is running on the field to hug the players. Lucho's family runs across the field to go hug him. He's crying like everybody's hugging each other and so happy. It was such like an emotionally draining win um, for everybody. And it was exciting to see that on the field. I mean, yeah, good, good call on that, Sam. I, I think when you get to these matches, like, Every win seems like an absolute strenuous battle and overcoming that at the end of the the match and coming out and winning is just like so fantastic. Like just seeing the pure raw emotion from the players, the fans and everybody. And it's just great to see. I think for all that they've gone through in the past three weeks too, uh, you know, it'd been a while since they played in the game. So they were pretty pumped, um, you know, especially against a Philly team who knocked us out of the playoffs last year. So for us uh, to do that, you know, was crazy. Um, yeah, I, I'm just excited, you know, building on the excitement. We get some huge news today about Lucho becoming the MVP. Um, what an honor for our captain, you know, definitely build the statue type moment now. He led the MLS um, in goal creations, you know, that being with uh, 17 goals and 14 assists, um, multi-goal games. He led the MLS in that as well. Uh, just an unbelievable player. Lucho has just blossomed into unbelievable person and captain. Like you guys said, the emotion kind of poured out. And just to kind of hear him talk about how much the city means to him today He's forever, you know, one of our own. And, and I'm so proud to say that he's the 2023 Landon Donovan MVP. Um, what a player, what a season for him. Yeah, definitely. What what a season by Lucho. So deserving. Like you had mentioned, 32 games played, 31 goal contributions. Like that's that's insane, right? Um, and I really do think this season he he really played inspired, mainly due, in my opinion to Argentina winning that World Cup. In December, after that World Cup, Lucho, in his mind, probably goes, okay, like, I got to put it on not only for my career, but also for my Argentinian roots. Um, and he kind of wanted to show not only his he the best player in the MLS, but he's also one of the best Argentinian players in the world. And I think he definitely showed that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, had it not be for uh, <laughs> Eel Messi, I think Lucha would have an actual spot on the national team. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, overall, his MVP performance throughout the entire season, it's just I, I've never honestly seen a player in person play so well, and it's just, like, so just fun and cool to see him play on the field. Like, now, now it's, like, he's to the point where it's, like, um, you like you would have fans go and travel to see him because he's just so good at playing. Um and, and like you said, all the stats that you guys are pouring out and that, you know, the, the front office with their, their media videos of that, like the Lucho, like um, 
MVP with the team and the family and like, man, like how could you not cry watching that thing? Right. That was like, <laughs> that was like one of the best videos they put out so far. Props to him. Underrated moment too, that his son was wearing the same outfit as him. I mean, hilarious. Just, it just tells you like the kid looks up to him. And I mean, I don't blame you, Tino, like you have an unbelievable dad, you know, he's definitely your idol, even more than Messi at this point. Like, just so cool. Um, he's the fourth Argentinian MVP in MLS history. So also pretty cool to see, you know, on that side of things too, going back to his roots. And like you pointed to Sam, um, how much it means to him from where he's from, but potentially that he might become a U.S. soccer player here in the near future too. Um, but, you know, boys, I, I think this solidifies him as, as statue worthy at this point, the first, you know, MVP in, in a long time for the city. Um, but it, it's pretty cool to see. Sam, I think that is a good transition for us. Yeah, good transition into the trivia of the week uh, before we take a break here. But um, trivia week is going to be with FC Cincinnati becoming the third major sports team in Cincinnati to have an MVP. How many MVPs has Cincinnati had in its history, including Lucho's? You want me to start? Yeah, we'll go Ryan and Zach. I want to say three, three including Luchos. I'm going to be okay. the one, and I think I accidentally saw that that uh, screenshot on X earlier today. Um, how many people are? Is that what it was? Yeah, how many? How many? MVPs has Cincinnati had in its history? I want to go with like nine. Whoa. All right. All right. So Ryan, you locked in three, Zach locks in nine, and uh, we'll, we'll give it away in the second half. So agility is a technology driven soccer training facility. So we offer six facets of training. Uh, that would be tech touch uh, with ball launchers that work on your first touch, the TSZ, uh, which is the ESA equipment and working on decision-making. We also have a circuit. Uh, circuit training would be taking the ESA equipment to the next level. It's kind of like a soccer obstacle course. Then we offer neuroscience training with our reflection tools, uh, working on processing things a little bit faster and eye coordination and such. Uh, we offer skills classes, which is your typical core skills training. Um, lots of people still enjoy that. So we work on a lot of attacking 1v1 skills. And then we also offer athlete development. So our athletes come here and they work on speed, agility, uh, quickness, explosive movements, really just learning how to move and function a little bit better as an athlete. Welcome back to the Flying Lion Podcast. Thanks for listening to our sponsor there. We've had an awesome week for FC Cincinnati between MVP announcements, a huge win in the Eastern Conference semifinal, and then, uh, you know, a huge upcoming game against the crew. Um, I'm pretty pumped for what's to come. But before we get into some of that, boys, I got to hear your cards of the week. So, Sam, I'll, I'll start with you. What was your card of the week? Yeah, so my card of the week, um, I could have gone with a couple, but um, I decided to go with the VAR around the world as my card of the week. Um, unfortunately, the past couple weeks, months, et cetera, VAR, VAR um, 
hasn't really been the best. Um, and unfortunately, it's not really going to go anywhere. Um, with that being said, it, it needs to be improved drastically. Um, I mean, there needs to be consistency across all leagues, all competitions around the world. So that way we don't have, you know, in the, in these leagues, it's called this, or in this league, it's called that, or, Hey, it's actually a no call in this league that that has to be a priority. Number one. And I, I think that starts with FIFA, to be honest with you, they need to determine what the solid VAR rules are going forward. And those leagues need to implement them, those tournaments, those, you know, different cups, et cetera, that need to implement them. Um, I, I think the words clear and obvious might be the worst use of words to describe something that is subject, that is literally subjective every single time. So I, I think overall, this needs to be cleaned up at least by 2026 in a major, major way. Yeah, that's a good call, especially like on, on this game, like, if you look in the Premier League, they use the the lines, you know, like the player technology lines to at least get, you know, the position of the player right. But in the future, it sounds like um, the uh, Arsene Wenger rule might come into effect of, you know, if if there's a full body length ahead, you know, that's considered offside. But you're right, the, the VAR, video assisted review system, um, needs to be standardized. You know, there's still competitions that FC's in that, you know, isn't using VAR even. Um, so just stuff like that, that needs to be cleaned up. I I'm in agreement with you. I, I mean, you could talk about VAR for a whole episode. <laughs> let's be honest. Um, I, I, there's so many ways that they could improve that. Like with the technology and the world we live in today, I don't know how we have not either improved it or um, added additional cameras to the field in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's bizarre that they spend that much money into the broadcasting and presentation of the game, but then they don't have the means to say, you know, is that clearly on or off or clearly over the line or not? Like, it, it's been the, the not sad only thing in our games, but in, like you said, around the world in every level. Yeah, the, the sad thing is until it's perfect, we're not going to be happy with it because yeah. the original before VAR was human error was a part of the game. Now we have VAR and human error is still a part of the game. So what's the point of having VAR? Like that's, <laughs> that's the biggest stop right there. Yeah, true. It's like, you got to fully do it. You can't half commit. Um, Good old human logic. That's right. Zach, what was your card of the week? You know, that kind of trickles into mine with technology, you know, I, I, Wi-Fi in the stadium is literally impossible to connect to. Like, well, one, if you don't have Wi-Fi, good luck trying to get on anything. I think I have SOS service. Um, so I don't even think I can get, maybe get the 911 call. But, you know, you try to, you know, FCC tries to do this thing with this cool app and with connecting it to get some lights and it looks beautiful, you know. But then you go and you use it and, it doesn't even connect. And, you know, like I think Ryan, I was telling Ryan, like I, I had it work. I finally got it working. And then at the end of it, it tells me, Oh, by the way, you can't, can't save this uh, picture because it, for some reason it wasn't approved or um, privacy or whatever. And I have to go into my settings. So I pretty much lost the entire video that I took of the like entrance and all the fireworks and everything. So it's like, I feel like Wi-Fi 
there was Wi-Fi. You could easily do things, send tweets. We could live tweet during the games, like all this stuff that I wish we could be doing. Can't do it. Very frustrating. Yeah, it almost reminded me of like the U.S.-Mexico game and the connectivity was terrible then. But, you know, the, the SOS thing, I just wanted to make like a side joke and say like, you know, shit out of luck, you know, essentially. And for Philly, right, because they were SOS, right? But no, um, <laughs> the, the light thing was frustrating because I had it all prepared. I had it ready to go to record. Um, and then it doesn't even load up. So at the beginning, I just recorded it with my phone instead of doing the the light thing with it. Um, so there, there's some kinks to be worked out for that. I think you would say that that would be a yellow card. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it was a frustrating, it was, it was an annoyance. Definitely yeah. wasn't. It was cool to see. I mean, I like the idea of it, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was very frustrating. Yeah. Right. I, I, I thought it was pretty hilarious. Um, the, the fact that you guys were telling me that, cause I mean, to be honest with you, like on the stadium, you wouldn't you wouldn't have noticed like, oh, yeah, some of the lights didn't work. Some of them did because like it, it was pretty full, like it, it worked for a lot of people. But um, yeah, I think a lot of people have had kind of the similar situations you guys have had with the Wi-Fi, with the apps like not working like that seems to be a stadium thing. I, I feel like once again, Zach, to your point earlier about like VAR, like with Wi-Fi in the stadium, I feel like they would have figured this out by now. Like I, I wish it would be a lot more consistent than it has been and it should be. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to just point on, I think in the off season, we can have a full, we're going to be running thin for content at some points, but let's have a conversation about TQL on things that we can improve upon. You know, let's get some fans in the concourse. Let's get better Wi-Fi. Like there's a lot of things that I think they can improve upon um, for future episodes. But uh, my card of the week is going to be a yellow card to the MLS for these playoff start times. Um, you know, eight o'clock time is announced, but the game doesn't start until eight 30. Um, you know, maybe are they delaying it because of the game prior? I could see the validity of that. If it was just one, you know, stream that's available, but you have two separate streams for these games. So you can simultaneously play both of them. Why not just have the game when you decide it and when you tell people that it's going to be um, an 830 game was kind of late um, on a Saturday. I mean, it's not as big of a deal, but for the games last night on Sunday, like they announced, you know, 930 and the game doesn't go on until like 950 in Seattle. So the start times like you guys know when these teams are going to be able to play for weeks now, at least in this round, you know, make better time for that. Um, and for the fans, it's just kind of ridiculous to me. I think that's just like, it's a sports thing. Like it, it, they, they always go off a broadcast rather than actual start time. And then that's, that's just the unfortunate truth there. And as long as there's TV and there's TV rights and commercials, et cetera, that's what you're going to have before the game in any sport. Um, obviously in soccer, there's not really any time to do commercials. Like there is football every, you know, five, six minutes, but um, I'm very thankful for that. Um, or else it would be absolutely just, I would dread to, to watch every single game, but yeah, to your point, right. I think the moving up and down in the start times, like just, just tell us what time it's going to be and start the game at that time. Like, it's not that hard. 
Yeah, I, I, I would hate if there was a commercial after every throw in <laughs> waiting there for like a 30 second ad. Could you imagine? No, they moved uh, up 10 feet by that point by the time they throw the ball in. But yeah, let's let's figure out ways to ruin soccer, guys. That should be another episode. That um, one for sure. Yeah, I I agree. I it, It's ridiculous. I It's like. I mean, this is all opinion, obviously. I agree with everything you said, Sam, but I hate it. Like <laughs> the worst thing ever. Like why, why do we got to yeah. appeal to these uh, broadcasting companies? It's frustrating. I get it. Yeah. And soccer, especially like you said, Sam, I didn't even think about it, but if you announce a start time, well then you can get all these commercials because during the game, there's no advertisement and you see all the on field ones or surrounding the field, but that's about it. You don't really get any other breaks in the action, but on the flip side, let's move on. Let's let's go the good way. Let's do some jersey swaps, boys. Uh, Sam, what was your jersey swap of the week? Yeah, I mean, last week, my future jersey swap of the week was Mascara, so I had to make him my jersey swap of the week this week, right? Only, uh, uh, only had to be. Uh, but I'd like to start off by saying this, this dude is 22 years old. He put the FC Cincinnati defense on his back and carried this team to victory. Um, he was called to be the pillar of our back line and he answered that call emphatically. And we, we saw his athleticism. We see from him all the time with the chase down tackles to, you know, a save, um, you know, probably a chance goal scoring chance there a couple times. And this game, he also added a cold blooded finishing to his list of things that he can do and that he has done for this team this year. And, to Ryan's point earlier, fourth DP spot, question mark. An emphatic yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> um, no, I actually, it's funny you say that, Sam. I, I want to say it was this game that he, I think he made a run all the way to inside the six, maybe with the ball, I, or maybe, I don't know, he for some reason, we were like, why the hell is Mascara like <laughs> all the way up here with like offense? Like, shouldn't that be a striker? I guess he plays two roles this game. I mean, heck, <laughs> played phenomenally. Yeah, unbelievable performance by him um, to dominate, you know, in the back and control the back line. You do have some veteran players next to you, but let's be honest, he's the anchor. You know, he's the one that's making those final challenges. He's the one that's winning all the aerial duels. I think, like I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, he is the best lone inbound, you know, in MLS history. Tweet it out. Find me another one that's better than him. Look at how meaningful he's been for our back line. Without him, you know, yeah, you have the defender of the year, but Mascara is the guy that, you know, is athletic, fast, and can chase these guys down and win duels in the air. And now, like Sam said, he can score. Um, not to mention he was playing some dark arts with uh, Carranza there at one point too. He does get shoved, but he was definitely trying to draw a second yellow. Um, so Mascara does a lot for the team, and I'm going to miss him if he's truly gone next year, but um, I'm hoping a fourth DP spot, maybe we can make something happen. That would be pretty cool. Be a good call by us if that does end up happening. But Zach, what was your jersey swap of the week? Yeah, I, I think you know this. The season's come full circle for Powell. Um, I, I know we always kind of knock on him here and there, but you know he 
he always comes through when he gets put into the uh, important and crucial roles, uh, especially on Saturday when um, he played, was it right back? Um, right center back. Right center back. Thank you. Um, yeah, we, we expected him to play right wing back or something like that of the um, here, here, there, but like, yeah, I mean, he was every, every minute it seemed like he was being fouled, pushed on the ground. Like, I think he had he. There was a stat he was fouled seven times, so he had the most fouls on any team that night. So um, that that really is important too because it really kills the momentum from from Philly and kind of slows the game down, and that gives us a chance to kind of get possession and kind of reorganize and whatnot. So that's I think that's really important when playing a team like Philly. Um, Definitely had the uh, most duels in the game as well. Um, he had nine versus, I think it was, um, who was it? Um, Mascara had, I think, three. So it was like tremendously big difference in the in the two. So I think I think he's an like you said earlier, Ryan. He's an anchor in the back this game. I think he pulled out all the stops. Um, he's needed when he when he is actually required. So great great job, Alvis. I think for Philly's game plan for attacking down that side, um, you know, those guys had a lot to prove. And boy, did they step up between the two of them and the camaraderie they had, the communication. Um, I would argue that that was one of his best performances in the FC Cincinnati jersey um, and really just showed that, you know, hey, if we need him in a pinch, like Alvis is dependable. Um you never again know what you're going to get out of him. And you saw some of his runs forward that make you nervous as you know what, <laughs> uh, even in the playoffs. But hey, in some moments like that, he's like, dude, I'm sick of just passing the ball forward. I'm going to dribble it up. I'm just going to show him what I got and give him some, uh, you know, Jamaican flair. Uh, so I actually kind of love to see that in this game. That was honestly kind of boring to have him being spontaneous. That was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. It's nice seeing the uh, Gaddis Alvis, and it was a complete and pleasant surprise. Yeah, there, Sam. Yeah, I, I thought Alvis played really well. Um, you know that this back line played so much better than I think people probably would have expected. Um, with Miazga being out, with Haglin being out, um, just not having the depth that we need to really make a, a deep playoff run, and it, they they stepped up. Um, I, I told Ryan before the game, we need Portland Timbers, Alvis Powell to step up, and Ooh. he did. He was there. Yeah, now he's going to be known as FC Cincinnati Alvis Powell version in the playoffs. <laughs> That's what he's going to be known for now. But my uh, jersey swap of the week was Reverend Ray Gaddis, man. What a dude. Jersey tucked in the whole match. Uh, didn't didn't come out one time. That's a stat. Uh, <laughs> Zach, I turned to you in the first half because he gets a yellow card, and I was like, "Is that allowed? Is he allowed to get a yellow on that?" I'm not. I'm not quite sure. But uh, you know, it was Saturday. The next day was Sunday. He was able to go to church and kind of repent for his wrongdoings there for getting the yellow. No, I kid. But there's got to be some stat on uh, you know, him having the least amount of yellow cards or fouls or something you know, per 90 of any MLS player, but Gaddis just played out of his mind. He matched up to, uh, you know, a pretty solid Philly attack down that side. Like I said, that they favored, um, 
if there was a stat for the possession on that side of the field, I'm sure it was a lot, but he, I don't know how many times you saw in the first half, especially shut down opportunities for crosses slid and actually got the, you know, slides, right. And he put himself in a position that he wasn't going to get beat. He's not the fastest guy anymore, but positioned himself well to make the right decision uh, and actually had an 80% pass accuracy uh, on the night. Another uh, a stat there for you guys, but led the team in tackles with four um, and five blocks, which again, led the team uh, in that stat as well. It's his seventh playoff appearance and uh, a memorable one for him. I think moving forward, again, if we need him in a pinch, he's going to be there for us, hopefully to shut out games, you know, late on uh, as we have the lead. But as much as I love the guy, like I think RES is the future in the next couple games, but he did an incredible job for the game and, and what we needed him to do. Yeah, he, he definitely stepped up against his former team. Um, and it was very apparent to see that he has a lot of playoff experience, right? Um, and it goes to show kind of with, with his ability to read the different tackling you know, scenarios, understand when it's probably best to put your foot in there and, and drive it uh, you know, out of the defender's feet. I, I thought he played a, a really, really good game down that side. And he was very composed when he, whenever he was on the ball as well. Um, Ryan, to your point, 80% of his passes completed. Um, he really helped solidify that back line and give some maturity to that back line. Yeah. I mean, I think you said he had five blocks. I mean, that's Philly's a big crossing team and and really that's, that's what you need out of a, a right wing back for, for, for this particular match. I mean, being, being able to get in front of the defender and just position yourself to where you're just a menace on trying to get the, uh, the offense, trying to get the ball into him. So, yeah, I think he did, did his job very well. And he, he seemed like he was everywhere on defense, um, which is exactly what we needed him to do. So yeah, yeah I, he, he definitely served, you know, himself well and kind of built to his reputation uh, of being um, kind of the go-to guy for experience, um, him combined with Powell. But experience going on into this next game is going to be huge, guys. Uh, we face the Columbus crew in the Eastern Conference Finals this coming Saturday, 6 p.m. Hell is cold. <laughs> it's gonna be a freezing freezing one again i'm sure december 2nd again now the latest game that we'll have played in um but i am so excited to knock out columbus you know at this point and go to the mls cup finals regardless the mls cup is going to be held in ohio but it's going to be in cincinnati the trophy is already in washington park to kind of signify that <laughs> i'm ready to take them down at home to celebrate Lucho on the field before the game have hopefully, you know, a full lineup. I think Obi's back. I think Arias should be back. Miazga. We'll see what happens with MLS and their ruling, but it would be rude of them to get rid of him in this situation. But man, am I excited? What a game it's going to be guys. Yeah, I think, this is going to be the biggest hell is real matchup yet. It has to be um, for a conference final. 
um, going to the MLS Cup, hosting the MLS Cup. I, I think this game is bigger than just bragging rights, right? Um, the the interesting thing is, you know, through three playoff games, Pat Noonan has had three different combinations of players on his back line, and Cincinnati has allowed just one goal, right? So going into this Columbus Crew game, no matter who he has in the back line, Pat has kind of solidified himself and solidified this team as a team that can defend in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it, we're going up against a team that's had the most goals all season and it's vital that we have all our defenders, um, all our starters, you know, Mike Miazga and Wobodo. Um, I, I think, uh Really, it's going to be figuring out what the game plan is and sticking to it. I think we need to we, – we can't stray from our end goal, right? Obviously, winning it. I mean, it, it's going to be the biggest, like you said. I, I think it's one of the bigger games that we've seen in MLS the past few years because of just, you know, uh, MLS team, SC Cincinnati, who has been absolute – garbage the last few years and now they're like amazing right and it's like a great i mean i'm gonna say it's an underdog story um having having a team that a coach has had for two years and second year he's already pretty much best team in the league like on top of that you're two ohio teams like playing in the finals it's it's how how is it not going to get national or even international like news right like i think it's going to be be uh, trending on X or whatever you want to call it. I think it's going to be really cool to see. It'll be a lot of emotion, a lot of energy. I hope we don't get too caught up in the moment. That's the thing that worries me is that we keep our composure. We play our game. We don't get caught up into whatever they want to do, but that we actually dictate the game. You know, this game, we kind of just were there. We were not, you know, necessarily just happy to be there. You know, we, you could see that in the first 15, 20 minutes, we did kind of set the tone. But against this team that we're about to play, you have to not only dictate the game, but you have to capitalize, you know. And Baji in the first home game that we had against the crew did that. And Lucho fed off that emotion and scored early, scored quickly, and took the lead. We kind of let it slip and then came back and won 3-2 at home, you know, um, in that game. But we have to be more decisive up front. Uh, that is the bottom line because the crew's weakness is their defense. Um, they can score a lot, but they tend to give up, you know, some as well. Uh, and to me, that would set the tone more than anything that put in one big tackle by OB to kind of set that tone of how we're going to play and dictate that game. And let's get, you know, it, it goes back to me for uh, for Vasquez when he was kind of losing his confidence early on in the year. You see him put in a hat trick against Chivas, right? And kind of show that he shows up in big moments, man. What a time would it be for him against the crew just to dominate this game and really set the tone of things. That would be sick. Either him or... Lucho, you know, showing why he's the MVP, that that would be also, you know, a huge moment for him to show up to. For for this next lineup, though, you had mentioned Baji. Do do we go once 
helps again with the Baji starting and Bupenza comes off the bench because, yeah. you know, Bupenza wasn't he wasn't terrible this past game against Philly, but my goodness, he he was kind of. I would say Vasquez did did a, a better job up top than Bupenza did, and it just it was frustrating to watch Bupenza play because he kept giving the ball away, doing silly little things. So having that maturity up top with Baji, do you guys agree with that? Having Baji start and then Bupenza comes in later again? I might have to agree with the physicality in this game. We might need him if he's healthy enough. I think that he might get a look at that. But with Bupenza starting this last game, I don't know if they go away from that. Just keep continuity. Um, But it didn't seem to really work. So do you go back to the drawing board? Yeah, that's that's a really good question, Sam. I think is 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 Pat going to do the kind of play chicken, you know, where who's going to do the first sub kind of thing, or is he going to try to get fresh legs 60, 70th minute to try to, you know, kind of put it to him and get the win instead of having to play through extra time. Right. I, I think our, our bench has a bit more depth than Columbus. So may, maybe, maybe they will try to play a little bit more um, on the extra time. Right. I mean, obviously we want to try to score, but you know, if, if push comes to shove, I think playing through extra time is going to be um, more beneficial to us than it would be for the crew, in my opinion. I think one thing to look out for that we, I think, all can agree on is that Bupenza was being kind of lazy with his passes in this past game. Back heels, flicks, yeah. that you can't make mistakes like that against Columbus, who's going to slam it down your throat quickly because of how fast they are in the attack, how they get the ball wide and cross the ball in. He can't be losing the ball. So for him and Vasquez to hold the ball up and retain possession is going to be huge, where I think Baji actually does a better job at that, as we saw in the first home game against the crew. Uh, So, Sam, great shout. I I think that would be interesting to look out for. And um, another thing that I wanted to kind of bring up is who pulls the sword now. You know, we had Rose Lavelle. Shout out Rose Lavelle for awesome uh, sword pull in this past game. But how do you top her now? My opinion it's going to be Ledesma. That would be incredible to have him, you know, let's just set the tone going into this huge game uh, and get everyone fired up. Sam, who would you have? Yeah, I, I mean, I was almost wanting to say have Rose Lavelle pull it again. I mean, cause, <laughs> cause she got us a win in the conference finals, but um, given that we got to pull somebody new, I mean, I was trying to think of, the amount of people that we have that have had success against the crew in our history um, and thinking of the people of significance. And um, I was thinking of somebody we mentioned earlier um, in, you know, the year talking on the podcast when it came to the crew and that's Bobby Edwards. Um, Right now he's an Academy goalkeeper coach at FC Cincinnati. And this would be an incredible just sword pull because he's got history. He was the first MLS win against Columbus crew um, at Nippert when FC in 2021 two one I believe that was in October. Um, but yeah, Bobby Edwards gets, you know, the win and only has one goal conceded against him. <laughs> and so I think he would be a great pull. And I didn't put that much thought into it, Sam. <laughs> I honestly could not think of a single soul that could pull the sword. So I, I went, lazy and went with ownership because you know they got us to where we are um wasn't much thought into it i didn't i was like you know 
I don't think they've done it yet, so I'll, I'll just put the ownership down. So I, I, I went with them. Which would kind of be a slap in the face that it says, like, our ownership put commitment into this team, but the crew had to switch their owners because they tried to get rid of them before. That would be funny. Or if they got the Austin owner to come back and pull the sword <laughs> for FC <laughs> just to be a slap in the face of Columbus. Yeah, get pre-court to pull the sword. Just a huge slap in the face. That would be hilarious. But huge game. I'm going to go with a... um Man, 3-2 win is what my prediction is. It's going to be more goals than we saw in the last one. Sam, what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm going to go 2-1 on this one. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it in 90. <laughs> Dang it. I was going to say that, Sam. You know what? I'm going to go one better and do 2-0. We're going to do another clean sheet. It's going to be an awesome game. We're pumped for Hell is Real Part 3 this year. Sam, you got to give us our trivia question answer before we head out. Yeah, so back to the first part of the pod. Um, trivia of the week was with FC Cincinnati becoming the third major sports team in Cincinnati to have an MVP. How many MVPs has Cincinnati had in its history, including Luchos? The answer is 15. Whoa. The Reds, the Reds have had 12 MVPs. The Bengals have had two. And FC Cincinnati now has one. Wow, that's awesome. I knew it was high, but I didn't know it was that high. <laughs> it's the first one since uh, 2010, I think, when Joey Votto won, though. Yeah, the, the, the thing also to note is the Reds have had multiple players win MVP. So I believe Joe Morgan has won it twice. So um, just counting MVPs in general. Nice. Well, I mean, let's hope that, you know, we can celebrate Lucho on the field. It would be awesome to have, you know, this TIFO that says like Lucho slays everyone. And then it's just like him holding like Columbus's head or, you know, one of the like construction workers head or something. I don't know. Some crazy like that would be really cool. But what a huge moment to celebrate, uh, you know, an awesome player. And what a better time than in a rivalry game in the conference finals to go to the MLS Cup. I mean, you couldn't write it any better than that, uh, other than us playing them in the finals, which is not feasible. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this moment is just going to be incredible. Um, Zach, I think you're going to end up go. Or, I think you're going, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I'll be there. So you got to give us a full report of that. Um, I'll be out of the country, unfortunately, for this one. Um, but, you know, I look forward to hearing about you know, every aspect of this game from beginning to end. And then hopefully that we see it to December 9th for the MLS cup final, you know, what a huge moment that would be. And for us to kind of go over that um, as a podcast would be just so, so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm so stoked. Ready, ready for hell is real. Um, ready for, for hell to be froze over, to be honest with you, it's going to be so cold, but mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, this, this is going to be a game for the ages, for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's I'm due for a um, buying a Lucho Acosta jersey now. Definitely got to get that one. Buy, buy it with the discount and then go in and get it, get the name on it. That's the way <laughs> to do it. But no, yeah, that was real. Part three, let's do it. Stay tuned for next week. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. You know, again, follow us on YouTube, Spotify. We're going to keep pushing out content. Um, 
unbelievable season so far, but we're not over yet. You know, we're pushing December now and we're just getting started on the final leg of this season. And again, hopefully one more game uh, and a preview for MLS cup, but we'll, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>